0: Thank you, John. Well, it was his first day at the Hy-Vee, or maybe it wasn't the Hy-Vee, maybe it was actually a fairway market at the grocery store there. And he was working in the produce department. And he was a bright young fellow. And a lady came up to him in the produce department, and she said, uh, I want to buy half a head of lettuce. He said, ma'am. You know, he tried to discourage her. He said, that's kind of a, I don't think you can do that, ma'am. But she was insistent. So he said, I'll have to go back to the stock room and talk to the manager. Well, he turned around, and he walked back to the stock room where the manager was, and he didn't know that the old lady was following him back there. He got back here to the stockroom where the manager was and he said, hey boss, there's some stupid old bag out there that wants to buy half a head of lettuce. What should I tell her? He saw the horrified look on his boss's face and he realized the lady's right behind me. And then he turned around to the lady and he said, and this fine lady would like to buy the other half. Is that okay? And the manager said, that's fine, that's fine. Later that day, The manager congratulated the stock boy on his quick thinking. And then he asked him, Where are you from, son? He said, I'm from Toronto, Canada, the home of beautiful hockey players and ugly women. And the manager looked at him with a stern look and said, My wife is from Toronto. And the boy said, Really? What team does she play for? There's an old proverb that says a word out of the mouth is like an arrow shot from a bow. You can't get it back. If words can't be unspoken, then we must be very careful every time we speak. We're going on in the book of James, chapter 3, and if you'd like to follow along there with me, I'm going to read the first 12 verses of James, chapter 3. James begins in James, chapter 3, verse 1, and he begins by saying, are still directed by a very small rudder wherever the inclination of the pilot desires. So also the tongue is a small part of the body, yet it boasts of great things. See how great a forest is set aflame by such a small fire. And the tongue is a fire, the very world of iniquity. The tongue is set among our members as that which defiles the entire body and sets on fire the course of our life and is set on fire by hell. For every species of beast and bird, reptiles and creatures of the sea is tamed and has been tamed by the human race, but no one can tame the tongue. It is a restless evil and full of deadly poison. With it we bless our Lord and Father, and with it we curse men who have been made in the likeness of God. From the same mouth come blessing and cursing, my brothers, these things ought not to be this way. Does a fountain send out from the same opening both fresh and bitter water? Can a fig tree, my brethren, produce olives, or a vine produce figs? Nor can salt water produce fresh. A very important passage in the book of James, because James warns us. He warns us about our tongue. He warns us about this power that we have of speech and how awesome it is. The tongue is unique in its power for good and it's unique in its power for evil, for destroying people and things and for building up people. Because this is true, everyone needs God's help in controlling their tongue. Watch out what you say, for God's sake and for your own. Why should we watch out? Well, because talkers... Those who use the tongue will be judged. And he turns now specifically to teachers, people like myself. He says, warning, let not many become teachers. Now, James is talking to those in the synagogue. He's talking to Jewish believers, those that have accepted Jesus as Messiah. Teacher would have been equivalent to rabbi. Let there not be many rabbis in your synagogue. The rabbi was a person of esteem in the synagogue. He was a person that people looked to. Why? Well, because he taught the law of Moses, the Torah. He was, they were the ones who decided religious matters in the community. They do today. If you go to New York City and Brooklyn, you'll see the rabbis are still highly esteemed there. They are the ones who solve disputes in the Hasidic community. And they, even have, they have disciples even today. We know that the first problems in the church appeared because of the teachers. Acts chapter 15, verse 1. The first major problem they had there, it says, men came down from Judea and began teaching the brethren, the Gentiles, that they had to be circumcised according to the custom of Moses, or they couldn't be saved. They wanted to add something to the gospel. We see the power of this thing of teaching, How it can get people off the right track and onto the wrong track. And they had to have the first church council there and straighten those guys out. Knowing this, all those who teach will incur a stricter judgment. James includes himself here. He includes himself. We know this. We know that we shall incur a stricter judgment. James was a teacher in the early church. Now, there are degrees of judgments and there are degrees of reward. We're not talking about earning heaven. We're not talking about being judged so that you do good works and then you get to heaven. No, this is about the rewards that are awaiting those. And it's also about the degrees of judgment, the punishments that are awaiting those. 1 Corinthians chapter 3 tells us, according to Paul's writings, Paul says, I laid a foundation which was faith in Jesus Christ. And another person is coming and building on that foundation whether they build with gold or silver, precious stone, wood, hay, or straw, each man's work, each woman's work, will become obvious, will become evident. For the day will show it, because it will be revealed with fire, and the fire itself will test the quality of each man's work. In a way that we don't fully understand everything that we have done for the Lord, everything that we have done in our spiritual lives, will one day be thrown into the fire, And whatever comes out of the fire, that will be our reward. That's what Paul says. And some will have built with gold and silver and precious stones, others with wood, hay, and straw, and that'll be burned up. There are degrees of reward. Even Jesus says this in Matthew chapter 10 of of Matthew's gospel. He says, The one who receives a prophet in my name will receive a prophet's reward. We don't exactly know what a prophet's reward is, but we know that it's different than the reward of a righteous man. Jesus said, if you receive a righteous man, you'll receive a righteous man's reward. Luke echoes the same idea that there are degrees of reward and degrees of punishment. Luke chapter 12 says, the slave who knew his master's will and did not get ready or act in accordance with his will will receive many lashes. He'll receive a more strict punishment But the one who did not know it and committed deeds worthy of flogging, the one who didn't know his master's will, he'll receive but a few. For everyone who has been given much, much will be required. God knows how much money he put in your hands throughout the course of your life. He knows how much wisdom he gave you. He knows what kind of brain he gave you, what kind of body he gave you. To whom much is given much will be required. And to whom they entrusted much of him, they will ask all the more. I expect to be more harshly judged because I have had the blessing, the benefit of being able to go to school, being able to study. I've had the luxury of studying. I've had luxury of learning many things. And I will be held responsible for that. That's what what James is saying here. Understand this, whenever you stand in the role of the teacher, you are going to receive a stricter judgment than your brothers and sisters in the church, those who don't teach. uh, James goes on here and says, Realize that nobody's perfect in verse 2. We all stumble in many ways. Notice he says, we all stumble in many ways. We know one of the ways that James stumbled was he didn't believe in his own brother, Jesus, his half-brother, Jesus. We know that he didn't really believe in him in the first we all stumble in many ways. Proverbs 24 says the righteous man falls seven times. Micah 7.8 says, Don't rejoice over me, my enemy, that though I fall, I will rise. Paul in Romans 3.23 just says it simply, We have all sinned. All have sinned. I had a professor, Royce Grunler, Dr. Royce Grunler. He taught me the book of Mark in, in Gordon-Conwell Seminary. But he told us one day with a bit of sadness on his face that he wasn't always close to the Lord. That there were days and years that he was away from God and he was teaching at that time. He was teaching in a Hiram College in Ohio. And he said, I was teaching those people, those students, the wrong things. And he said it with a bit of sorrow in his voice. If only I could have those students back now. and and, and show them where I led them astray. Think of the impact of just one teacher on a generation of students. A teacher's life influences the lives of so many others, both for good and for bad. James goes on here, he said, if anyone does not stumble in what he says, he is a mature person, a perfect man. He is able to bridle, control his whole life as well. This is the problem, of course, is who can control the tongue. It's something that needs to be controlled because there is a judgment coming. Jesus says in the Gospels, another place, we will have to give account for every idle word spoken. Paul's goal in Colossians 1.28 was, he said, we proclaim Jesus Christ admonishing every man and teaching every man with all wisdom that we may present every man complete, mature, grown up in Jesus Christ. Do we know that those who teach will be judged more strictly? We are all teaching someone. If you're a parent, you're teaching your child. If you're a a Sunday school teacher, you're teaching children. If you're the lead person at work, you're teaching usually those people who are newly hired. We will all, those who teach, will incur a stricter judgment. So how cautious should we, we, we be when we instruct others? Very cautious. Teachers will face a harsher judgment. If someone wanted to find out how old we are according to the way we talk, would we demonstrate that we are still babbling like a baby, or are we a mature person? That's one of the ways you judge a child's growth and maturity, don't we? They start out babbling, ba ba, ba ba, but eventually they, they, they mature. Why else should we watch out what we say, for God's sake? Because the tongue is very powerful. It's small, but it's very strong. He uses the analogy from horses here. He says we put a bit in a horse's mouth to control the horse, to pull the horse, whichever way we want to take the horse. We put that bit, bit in its mouth. You know, a horse's bridle, and I'm sure you've all seen one, it's a very interesting piece of equipment. It has a headstall and a bit and reins. This is the three parts of a, of a bridle. The headstall is the part that goes over the horse's head. The bit goes across the horse's tongue, into its mouth, across its tongue. And the reins, of course, go back to the rider. And it's the pressure on the mouth when you pull on the rein that causes pain in the horse's mouth. So the horse turns its head to alleviate the pain. We were out at the fair this year. We saw some Belgian draft horses, over 2,000 2, pounds apiece, 17 hands high. They even had some Percherons there, too, some Belgian Percherons. They're 2,200 pounds, 19 hands high. That's six feet. That's over six feet tall. We saw a little girl there in a carriage with two of these big Percherons holding the reins. A little girl. She could have been more seven or eight. But she was able to control that big animal, those big animals, because of that bit in the mouth. Look at a ship, James goes on and says. Look at a ship. Look at a ship. They're driven by strong waves. They're driven. They're driven by strong waves, and yet they're able to be guided and directed by a very small rudder. You know, winds can drive ships across the ocean. They can overpower them as the El Faro was overpowered on the September the 29th, just this year, in Hurricane Joaquin. You know that ship was 800 feet long? It was 31,000 tons. It was overcome by those winds. And 34 people lost their lives when it went down. James says in verse 4, but a ship even that big can be directed by a small rudder. A very small rudder. You know, the rudder is usually only about 160th the size of the hull of the ship. It's very small in comparison to the ship. In comparison to the whole ship, it's only about 1 or 2% of the size, the area. And yet, that little rudder can turn that whole ship. The Chinese invented the rudder. Did you know that? It's small, the tongue is small, but it's dangerous. Because it boasts of great things, he says in verse 5. It declares great things. It boasts. It exalts the person. It boasts of great things. Jeremiah warns about boasting in Jeremiah chapter 9, verse 23. He says, Let not the wise man boast of his wisdom. Let not the mighty man boast of his might. Let not the rich man boast of his riches, but let him who boasts boast of this, that he knows and understands me. For I am the Lord who exercises loving kindness and justice and righteousness on the earth. Why should we control the tongue? Why should we watch out what we say? Because the tongue is small, but it's very powerful. It has the power to do great damage. Jesus says in Matthew chapter 15, the things that proceed out of the mouth come from the heart. And these are the things that defile the man. For out of the mouth comes evil thoughts. Just think how much destruction has been caused in people's lives because someone spoke in their ear and put an idea in their head to go do something that was wrong. At a teenage party, how many, how many young lives have been cut short because, oh, come on. Everybody else is doing it. That's been the end of a lot of people's lives, right there. Out of the mouth come evil thoughts, murders, adulteries, fornications, thefts, false witnesses, slanders. See how great a forest is set aflame with just a a little flame. We've had a dramatic demonstration of this just a few years ago. Associated Press, June 20, uh, 2008. After being in federal prison for six years, Terry Lynn Barton was finally let out. She's given a 12 year sentence, but she only served six years. They let her out for good behavior. She was a forest ranger. She worked for the National Park, Pike National Forest in Colorado. But it shows you the power of words, how powerful words are to destroy. She was splitting up from her husband, and he wrote her a letter. He wrote words to her in a letter that offended her and made her angry. And she took that letter, and she burned it in a campfire in Pike National Forest. She didn't just throw it away or tear it up. She burned it in a fire to get really rid of it. Unfortunately, that caused the fire. That was the worst fire in all of Colorado history all started with a with a piece of paper with words on it five firemen were killed in that fire 40 million dollars worth of damage 210 square miles of the forest burned that's the power of the tongue that's the power of words to destroy notice how many times he mentions fire here in verse 6 he says the tongue is a fire It is a world of iniquity. It sets on fire the course of people's lives, and it is set on fire by hell. Where do we think the garbage that comes out of people's mouths comes from? James says, I know the source, and the source is down there. All the garbage that people spews forth. You know, each one of us is given a tongue to add to the the music of the earth, to add to positive things. This word, he says, the tongue is set among our members. That little word for member is the same word that means tune or melody. It's the word that we get our English word melody from. Each one of us has been given a tongue to bring some melody to this earth, some music to this earth. But instead of bringing music, a lot of times people just bring noise. We just add to the chaos of earth. A melody is a pleasing succession arrangement of sounds. Think of all the songs that you know. Think of all the melodies that you know. Think about how your life is enriched. All that wonderful music. How it's affected your life. How it makes you feel. Think about the melodies that have encouraged people, lifted their hearts. And then think about the noise of the world, how it deadens the soul, how it makes people feel depressed. We are created in God's image, so it's no surprise that God Himself has given us one of His most precious powers, and that's the power of the Word. God acts and creates through his word. We should not be surprised at all that the tongue can be has been appointed in such a high position of power in the human body. Human speech is the agent that moves society both for positive and negative actions. Isaiah echoes this idea. When he saw the Lord, it says in Isaiah chapter 6, I saw the Lord. He was high and lifted up. And the next words out of Isaiah's mouth are, Woe is me, for I am ruined, because I'm a man of unclean lips. I say things I shouldn't say, and I live among the people of unclean lips. All around me, I hear people talking, and what they're saying is not good. He said, my eyes have seen the Lord. He's immediately aware of the things that he said and should not have said. It sets on fire the whole course of life, Think how people's lives are changed by the things that are that are said to them. The damage that is done to them which never leaves them. I hate you. You're stupid. You never do anything right. How many lives have been crushed like that? That's the power of speech. That's the power of speech. It's an awesome power. It's an awesome power. It can ruin the course of a whole person's life. That's why watch out what we say. Let us watch out what we say for God's sake and for our own sake. In April 1994, Chicago Tribune rep- tells of the story of how John Tower, senator from Texas, was killed along with 22 other people. They concluded, they found out what the NTSB, the National Transportation Safety Board, found out what was wrong. The plane that he was flying in had two gears that controlled the propellers. It was, it was one of those commuter planes. And one gear had titanium coating on it. The other gear didn't. And these were the gears that were supposed to adjust the props on the engines. And that one hard gear kept turning, turning, day after day against the other gear, which was softer. And eventually it it ate it all away. And then the plane nose dived in. The pilot went to adjust the control and it, it didn't work. There was no relationship there anymore between those two gears because the one gear was so hard, How many marriages, through criticism, picking them apart day after day after day, and is it any wonder it ends in divorce? Not really. That's the power of speech. It can act like a file. It can cut people down. It can... It can turn people away. It is set on fire by Gehenna. Gehenna literally means the Valley of Hinnan. It's the south side of Jerusalem. It's a place where they took all the garbage to burn it. We used to burn garbage at home, but they won't let us do that anymore now. It pollutes the air. It says, this fire in the tongue is set on fire by Gehenna. That's where they used to sacrifice the children. If you had anything that was junk, you took it down to Gehenna, to the valley, and you burned it there. Jesus talked about that being a continual fire, a place of burning. You know, there's fires that burn for years and years and years like that, that pollute the environment. They just put out a fire in China, the province. It's been burning for 130 years. You said, that's incredible, I can't believe that. Well, that's what the news report says. The BBC reported it. It got down in the coal vein, the coal seams, and burns and burns and burns. 20 million tons, 20 million tons of coal annually burned up, polluting the atmosphere, polluting the water. That's the way it is. That's what Gehenna is like. It's always pewing forth garbage, and that is that's why our world is polluted. That's why we have to watch out what we say. We have to watch out what we say. We need to understand the power of our words. Are we starting fires that will eventually destroy not only our life but other people's lives with our words? The tongue needs to be used to guide, direct, not to burn and destroy. Watch out what we say, because the tongue is hard to tame. And this is true for all of us. He goes to the animal world here and he says, look at the species of all these different animals, the beasts. All the, the four-footed beasts of the earth, the birds, the reptiles, the creatures of the deep, the sea, they are tamed by man. Right now they're being tamed by man, and they have been tamed by the human race. He says that's the case. That's the way it is. They've been brought under subjection. We can get them to do what we want. We can get them to balance a ball on their nose. We can get them to stand on their tail flipper you know, and spin around. To say hi to the folks in the crowd, you know. You go to SeaWorld, you know, the, the sea lions will wave to you. All these creatures have been trained and are being trained. Wild animals. Why, just this week, last week, in the Nassau Bahamas, United Press International reports, they had a an example of this. One of the cheerleaders for the Miami Heat, the basketball team, she dropped her cell phone in the water. They were down there on a photo shoot. All the girls dressed up in bikinis or whatever, and she had her cell phone and dropped in the water. They were swimming with the dolphins. Somehow her cell phone got dropped in the ocean. The dolphin trainer called to the dolphin. The dolphin went right down to the bottom of the ocean, picked it up, brought it back up. We can train all these wild creatures, but we can't control this. We can't train this. The fact that we can control control these animals is is just a demonstration of what God's command was to Adam and Eve in, in the book of Genesis. He said, be fruitful and multiply, fill the earth and subdue it. Rule over the fish of the sea and over the birds of the sky and over every living thing that moves on the earth. But look at the contrast. We can control the elephant, but we can't control our tongue. And he draws that sharp contrast for us. This is the paradox. Man can tame all these creatures, but he's unable to tame the small member of his own body. He says, no one can tame of man. If you looked at this in the original language, it would say no one is able to tame of man. James includes himself, I include myself. We cannot do this ourselves. We cannot do this ourselves. The tongue is full of evil and full of deadly poison. There are things that are in our hearts that if we ever let them out of our mouths, they can ruin other people's lives. The odd thing is, he uses this kind of like an analogy of the cobra. And you, know, you can train a cobra with its poison. You can still train a cobra, but you can't train the tongue. That's why David prayed in Psalm 141. He said, Lord, set a watch on my mouth. Put a guard in front of my mouth. Keep the door of my lips. In Psalm 19, he said, let the words of my mouth And the meditation of my heart be acceptable in your sight, O Lord. Who is able to control the tongue? Not one of us. Who can control the tongue? Only God. And without God's help, no man, no woman will succeed in restraining, and reining in the tongue. It's remember, it's full of deadly poison. I've had some experiences in my ministry over the last 20 years. People I'd worked with for 10 years and then in a meeting said to my face, You're a liar. Spew out poison. They don't want didn't want to hear all the details of what I was trying to do. They just said, You're a liar. They didn't want the facts, they wanted to hurt. And if you take that poison into you, it poisons your life. That's the power of words. That's the power of words. That's why we need to watch out what we say. We can cause great damage with our tongues. Watch out what we say because we need blessing and not cursing. We need blessing and not more trash in the world. Verse 9. With the tongue we bless, he says. We bless our Lord and Father. We do that now. We, we show this as a continual state of things. We bless our Lord and our Father. This is the God-ordained design for the tongue. The good Jewish worshiper would pray three times a day, morning, noon, and evening. He would pray the 18 benedictions. And at the end of them, he would always say, Blessed art thou, O God. Blessed art thou, O God. Psalm 150 says, let everything that has breath praise the Lord. You see, the ancients believed that when you spoke a word, you released its power. That there was great power in speaking the word. And so they said, we have that example in Numbers chapter 2, the king of Balak, the king of Moab, says, I want to curse Israel. So he calls Balaam, the prophet, and says, go and curse Israel. Behold, the people come up out of Egypt. They spread over the whole surface of the ground. They're living opposite me. You go and curse them for me, because they're too mighty for me. Because I know who you bless is blessed, and who you curse is cursed. But Balaam, in that story, he couldn't, he couldn't curse them. He couldn't pronounce a curse on them. But he did find a way to hurt Israel with his mouth. He told Balak, the king of Moab, he said, send your women in and let them seduce Israel. And they did that. He gave them instruction how to defeat Israel. And Balaam was ultimately killed for that. We bless and we curse with the same mouth, You can go out of the parking lot here today after this time of worshiping God and somebody cuts you off and say, you stupid. Five minutes ago we were saying, praise you Jesus. Man's purpose was to show forth the image of God. Why God made man in the first place anyway was that God might have a representative on earth, that we would be his representative on earth, that we would be the image of God on earth. And when we curse people, we are cursing the image of God. That's why cursing is wrong. That's the main reason it's wrong, because we are insulting what God has made. Rabbi Joseph Tolushkin has a great book called Words That Hurt, Words That Heal. And he lectures throughout the whole country. You know what he says? he often asks the audience or whoever he's talking to, he says, can you go 24 hours without saying unkind words about or to another person? Can you go 24 hours without being speaking unkind words? He says, if you can't do that, please raise your hand. And people do raise their hands. And then he says... Those of you who can't say, yes, I can go 24 hours without speaking unkind word. he says, if you can't go 24 hours without drinking liquor, you're addicted to alcohol. If you can't go 24 hours without smoking, you're addicted to nicotine. If you can't go 24 hours without saying unkind words to others, then you have lost control of your tongue. The tongue has great power to heal and to restore. Tilted Edwards talks about that out of an experience of his own family. He said, when I had teenage children, one of the things we decided was on the Sabbath day, on Sundays, we all made a commitment to each other that we would not criticize each other on Sundays. We made that pact with each other. And as the months went on, we all kept that commitment. And we began to realize something. Our teenage children's friends started to come over to the house on Sundays more and more. Pretty soon we had a crowd of teenagers around our house on Sundays. No one in the family talked about this commitment. But somehow those teens knew that when they came to this house on a Sunday it was a good place to be because nobody was criticizing anybody. Kids know. Mothers, did you know that your baby is listening to you right now? Babies hear their mother's voice before they're even born. They get attuned to their mother's rhythms and how she speaks. They hear through the bones of her body They've done tests right down here in Iowa State University. They've given mothers, expectant mothers, two different scripts to read just to test and see how words affect the developing baby. They gave the mothers one script that said, I can't wait to have this baby. It's a wonderful time to be having it. We have a room all fixed up and a crib ready. I'm so looking forward to having this baby. You know what the fetal heart monitor shows? That little heart goes four beats faster an hour, a minute. It increases its heart rate. Then they give the mothers a different script to read. And this script says, it's not a good time to have a baby. We need two incomes to make it. I don't don't really want to have this baby now. I can't progress in my career if I have this baby. It's not a good time to give birth. And guess what happens to that little heartbeat? That's right, it goes down four beats. I've that right down here at Iowa State University. Babies are listening. Babies are listening. He uses two last illustrations here. He says, it shouldn't be this way, that cursings and blessings come from the same source. Does a fountain send forth uh, from the same opening fresh and bitter water? Can a fig tree produce olives and a vine produce figs? Salt water produce fresh? No. He talks about water, then he talks about fruit, then he talks about water. He says these things should not be. This shouldn't be this way. Jesus said by their fruits, Matthew 7, you'll know them. A good tree cannot produce bad fruit, and a bad tree can't produce good fruit. He says in Matthew chapter 12, the mouth speaks out of that which fills the heart. There's a lot of stuff in our hearts that should never come out of our mouths. There's a lot of things we should never say. Every husband knows that. His wife says, Does this dress make me look heavier? There's lots of things you shouldn't say, a lot of things you shouldn't express. What is the source of our words? What do our words reveal about the condition of our hearts? We all need the Holy Spirit's help in controlling what flows out of our mouths. That's why we should watch what we say. Because there's tremendous power in what we say. So when we open our mouths, let us say those things that will build up, edify, bring healing and health. And may we keep back, hold back, pull the reins back, when we want to say something that's only going to hurt. Let's pray. Lord, give us grace to not say those things that are going to be destructive. Give us that moment's pause, Lord. Holy Spirit, remind us before we open our mouths that we need to think before we speak. Lord, we want to speak the truth, but we want to speak the truth in love. We don't want to add to the noise in the world, Lord. We want to bring some beauty to the world. May you be glorified in our language, Lord. May you be Lord over our mouths. And may they, may they all give you glory every day. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.